call for all of us to recognise and acknowledge the fact of occupation, to rethink the received colonial settler narrative. Welcome to Deadly Justice with Tallulah, your local Aboriginal justice show. Good evening and welcome to Deadly Justice. You're listening to Tallulah. This week we have a special guest. We have Bonnie Chalinor from ALS working in the Your Story um, Disability Legal Service. And um, this is a fairly new service. Bonnie's been working in this service for a few months now, so fairly new. Um, And she's really passionate about disability and helping Aboriginal people tell their stories. So this is more about mistreatment for um, for people struggling with disabilities um, and making sure that everybody has um, some kind of um, or in some kind of position or empowered to tell their stories um, about their mistreatment and then essentially empowered to kind of live a life that's, you know, contributing to society or being active members in society. So how are you going, Bonnie? Yeah, going really, really well. Really well. Thanks so much, Tallulah, for having me on today. No worries. Thanks for thanks for coming along. Um, so tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so I um, I grew up in, in Perth um, and, yes, yeah, spent my childhood there, moved around a little bit with my family um, as an expat living in, in different countries but came back to, to Perth. And, yeah, and then after school decided to study law, did my law commerce degree at UWA, which was great, and then started working in law as an associate to a Supreme Court judge for a year and a half, decided to just take some time off and figure out what I wanted to do and and travelled around and then ended up moving to Norway for a couple of years, studying a master's program there and then came back during covid and started working at the ALS in this role, um, this disability legal support role. And really, yeah, really excited to be working here. It's been a pretty full on four months, but it's yeah, been really, really great. Awesome. So, so disability and human rights and that kind of stuff, that's where your passion lies? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, really, really passionate about the, this space, about social justice in, in general. And then really for me, yeah, marrying the working for Indigenous rights and then also for disability rights and, and this role I think really highlights yeah both of those those passions so really excited to be working in this role. Yeah that's awesome and um, definitely something that that's you know of, of a huge kind of demand up here in the Kimberley because yeah. you know people are struggling with with all types of disabilities and when we're talking about disability in this kind of sense we're talking about not just your physical disabilities but a huge broad range of disabilities is that right yeah yeah definitely so to explain a little bit more um, about my role as well it's it's set up as part of this independent legal service that's providing advice to people with disability to their family to their carers to help them engage with the disability royal commission so the disability royal commission is looking into the mistreatment of people with disability and their understanding of disability is really, really broad. So it doesn't require someone to have a medical diagnosis of disability and it encompasses impairments, both physical, mental. Maybe that person has um, acquired that 
that impairment from birth or whether it's through age, through incident. So it's really, really broad and encompasses, you know, mental health issues as well, intellectual disability, FASD, those kind of things. So it's it's really broad. Uh, yeah, well, FASD is a huge issue yeah, up here. it is. It we, is. You know, we have our FASD marches and, and um, you know, especially in Fitzroy, there's the Nindalingari FASD um, awareness stuff that happens through there. So, yeah, that's a huge issue. And, and FASD, like, they say that, like, FASD in adults is so hard to diagnose or it's undiagnosed or it's not diagnosed enough. So you kind of see these symptoms of FASD in adults and, you, you, you know, it affects a whole lot of people so definitely something that's a huge issue up here in the Kimberley um and then especially you know we definitely have issues up here with drug use and pretty heavy drug use and that can cause a series of disabilities as well not to mention like other mental health issues like depression anxiety Mm. and all of that stuff is that included it is yep it is all um included in in their sort of understanding of disability. So if anybody um, thinks that they might qualify for this, then they are able to make a submission about any mistreatment that they have suffered. So the specific terms of reference of the Royal Commission, which are things that they're looking into, are any instances of violence against people with disability, any abuse, any neglect, any exploitation of people with disability in all settings and all contexts. So it can be in an institution or it can be out of an institution. It could be at home. It could be, you know, at a shopping centre, those kind of things in dealings with the police, in prison, in dealings with guardians or um, administrators, those kind of things. So it's, it's really, really broad. We run an elder abuse program at, you know, my office and, and um, lots of the things we see in this elder abuse program, um, we do often see um, issues with capacity, all kinds of physical disabilities that come with age. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, this is something that we see a fair bit and um, it, it's, I guess it's really interesting to hear about this mistreatment stuff because we're, our program is fairly new as well, but it's kind of based on empowering um, elderly people to tell their stories and mm. to kind of get some support and some, I don't know, empowerment, <laughs> I yeah. guess. And and like it, it's because we're, we're so broad, I, I think similar to you as well, um, we can help with kind of your non-conventional stuff as well. So we, we assist with like helping people, elderly people to access their bank accounts online. And, mm. you know, for, for someone like myself who uses online banking quite regularly, I wouldn't have thought that that would have been an issue, you know. So, yeah, yeah it's I think it's definitely something that's, well, needed up here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you're passionate about human rights and, and all of that stuff. You spent some time in Norway. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I I went over to Norway to study a Master's of of Human Rights um, at the University of Oslo there. So they have a program that's run through the university and the Norwegian Centre for Human Rights. So it was a really amazing program to be a part of. There was sort of 30 of us in the cohort and 15 being from Norway and 15 being from all around the world. So I was studying alongside people from from Nepal, from Iran, from um, from South America, like which is of course the the continent, but different places in South America. And it was just yeah, really amazing experience. Just learnt so much from from the lecturers and the re- 
researchers but also from my colleagues as well from their different experiences and backgrounds and that yeah that experience that they brought to the classes and 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 study as well so it was really really amazing and eye-opening and it also gave me a really different perspective on on human rights and international law because I think Australia yeah learning more conventional uh, sort of black letter law from from university here has a, a different perspective on international law and the role that it can play for individuals and and what impact that can have on an individual and i think australia tends to minimize the the impact of international law and perhaps doesn't quite abide by their international obligations we see that a lot so it's really interesting you know studying international law from such a different context alongside people that really see more of the more of the soft kind of impact of international law that imp- that political sway that this holds and and the real value of these aspirational rules and it was really great to get that different perspective and and to see yeah while there is so many frustrations with with the system of international law it it, it still is such a worthy kind of enterprise and has such impact and and holds such importance to so many people yeah i mean it's interesting you say that because um you know i I think yeah, yeah, Australia does struggle a little bit with um, ab- abiding by international law, and and to hear that from other perspectives in other countries and whatever else about how that kind of ties in, it's definitely something I was passionate about in mm. when I was at uni's international law and human rights, and yeah. I think it's yeah, it's so interesting, and I think um, Australia's probably got a lot of learning to do yeah, um, in terms of that stuff, but. Yeah, so where where kind of where did your passion about working with Aboriginal people come from? Yeah, I think I think for me, if I see Australia's treatment of Aboriginal people as the biggest human rights issue here, the biggest social justice issue here, and I think it sort of just naturally kind of comes from that initially is is seeing such injustice that has occurred historically and is still occurring today and that real need for change and I think you know the work that I have done with Aboriginal people I've just I don't know really connected with with people as well and feel like so so honoured in a way that I can um, yeah apply my skills and and really try and fight for change in in this area and yeah, try and help as much as I can. Uh, no, I think that's really interesting because, like, we don't often – we kind of see this – so uh, working with Aboriginal people is, like, the biggest industry in Australia. You know, the mm. most money goes into it yeah. and, you know, it creates jobs for people – but there's not very many kind of effective, tangible outcomes or long-term solutions yeah. that come out of this. Yeah. And this is a really hard thing because, you know, we kind of get people come in and out of the Kimberley and, and mm. try to make a difference. But there's no long-term solutions that can that are implemented on grassroots level for a long period of time and so and some like this something like this disability thing where the scope is so broad yeah. because you're saying that um people don't necessarily need a diagnosis which i think is really important yeah um, because when we don't have access to this here on the ground it's mm-hmm. important for us to be able to define our own whatever's going on for us do you yeah, know what i mean definitely. and there's someone who struggled with like mental health issues for a number of years like mm-hmm. like um depression and and anxiety not you know 
I'm not putting myself on any kind of like but it is debilitating you know I've spent six months in bed and you know Mm -hmm. not being able to feel confident enough to get up and get a job and and eat food and have shower and all of this stuff I, I, I know the kind of struggle with that that as a disability I guess um so when we're able to kind of acknowledge that we don't need the medical stuff to define our experience as well I think that's really important and yeah when when we're able to kind of come to our own like like if we're feeling empowered to tell our own stories I think that's important as well yeah yeah definitely I would say that's that's definitely a strength of this royal commission is how much they're trying to accommodate people to tell their first-hand experience of living with disability or living with what they see as a disability and and what their interpretation of that is um and it's it's definitely not a, a perfect commission it's not a perfect system and you know personally I think that it could be allowing even more voices from the Kimberley being heard because it's it's such an area of, of high need and experiencing yeah so many so many different challenges in accessing services and in being able to live you know an equal life um so yeah I think there's definitely more that could be done but the the Royal Commission has really tried to make sure that they listen to those voices and those first-hand experiences of of people living living with disability and you know, even the ways in which that you can make a submission is very um, varied and you can, for example, just write down your submission or you can voice record, you can even draw artwork um, to submit it in and and really try have your experience um, heard. And, and they're also accepting submissions from, from family members and also carers. Um, they're really just trying to to hear as many stories as possible about what's happening and and what's not working um, and how we can make society more inclusive. Yeah, and I think that's really lovely that that you've found this as a space for you to be able to do something, you you know, that you feel is meaningful with Mm. Aboriginal people and with people struggling um, with disability. And, And I think, like, I'm all for meaning and purpose and so I feel like, I feel like if you find something that's your niche, that's your meaning and purpose, it's mm-hmm. much easier to kind of, I don't know, get through your day or, or do what you need to do. And so, um, yeah, when you find, you know, this disability stuff, I guess, um, when you're feeling empowered to do something that's of meaning and purpose, you know, you can kind of tackle all kinds of issues, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I think, yeah, for me... I don't know, I, I acknowledge that people are motivated by different things in their life, but for me, I'm really motivated by helping people. That is sort of my my meaning and purpose, I think. Um, and, yeah, it's taken me a little while to accept that that's not everyone, that, that it might be money or lifestyle or, or whatever it is, but for me, it, it's really just at the core of helping people um, and and feeling like I've made a contribution in some way is, yeah, is part of that. So... Yeah, I, I've just found that in, in this space of working with Aboriginal community, of, of working with people with disability, that I feel like I'm able to, yeah, assist in some way and, and really grateful to be able to work in this space. You come from a legal aspect of disability, but there's mm. so many other 
branches that kind of tie in with this as well. There's the medical side, there's the education, um, employment, all of this kind of stuff, which are all justice issues as well. And I, and we touch a, a bit on this on this show as well. Mm. You, you know, have we have people from all kinds of, um, I guess, industries come and chat with us about justice issues for Aboriginal people. Mm. Um, and I think when you have this legal aspect kind of tie in, with um, medical and, and education and employment and all of mm. that, then you kind of you're looking at a more wholesome response to mistreatment and disability. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah, I I would say so. I think um, the legal part. <laughs> I might be biased in in saying this as being a lawyer, but it, it is really important. And yeah, I think it it is really tricky at the same time. Like the way that the law has been made through, you know, a majority rule system and um, and things like that, that often it's it's the voices of, of minorities that aren't heard on these issues, that aren't um, that aren't given that fair and an equal um, say in, in how the laws that actually affect them are made um, and implemented. So yeah, the legal part is, is really, really important and and yeah, bringing it back to the Royal Commission, it's it's that important avenue for for people to have that say in how the laws actually affect them. That maybe they don't um, they don't get that opportunity through the kind of normal mechanisms of of, of democracy in in that way how it operates in Australia. So yeah, I think it's important avenue for that. What are some, so you're enjoying what you're doing, what are some obstacles that you've had to overcome to kind of get to where you're at? I think I've been, yeah, I have to be honest that I've had such a, um, a fortunate life, you know, I've, I've, be, I've been really lucky so far. I've had such amazing opportunities that I've really been able to grab and, and, and take hold of. And yeah, it's, it's tricky thinking of, of obstacles sometimes for myself when I feel like I'm working in a space where people proportionately just have so many more facing them and what they overcome and I think it's it is such a humbling space to to work in and and to really recognize my own privilege and to yeah put things in into perspective somewhat all the time and and so I find it hard sometimes when I'm in my kind of work at to, to think about obstacles that I've faced because I think proportionately I've just had such an easy life and I really want to use that those opportunities that I've been given and try and use and, and give back to, to people that haven't been able to have the same equal opportunities as me. Sorry to all that was a bit of a non-answer. No, 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 no. It was, no, it was good because, um, it, you know, I think it's important. I think also like um appreciating like i i think i do the same thing as you you know i've I've, there's i've had some obstacles but proportionately like compared to lots of other people i've actually been really blessed and i did an interview with somebody a few weeks ago and she said tell us about your childhood and you know what kind of basically she asked how bad was your childhood (laughs) and i was like i mean um, there was a few things that were pretty like crap but for the most part i had a really blessed childhood and I think I'm a bit the same like you now I'm trying to maybe do something to make somebody else's day a little bit better because I'm now in a position where I can yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah um yeah no it's interesting like I like yeah I had a I had I had very similar kind of you know you and I both went to 
you know some of the, one of the elite schools in Perth, yeah. old girls school, yeah. and and um, we both went to UWA. So I think there's some similarities there as well. But like, I think I'm very much the same as you. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, it's definitely you know in some ways the obstacles that we overcome it's hard to compare them as well because it's so relative to your own life and, and what you've experienced and things like that and they do in some way define us and, and our strength of character and things like that but also yeah recognizing for me personally just how much opportunity and how much um, yeah how many blessings that I've had and, and really recognizing that that they have given me so much ability really in in this life and to to do some good for others and and I'm wanting to to use that as much as possible now that being said it's not always easy to kind of do the work that you do because you see some pretty horrific stuff and you hear some pretty horrific stories and and it can can take a toll on you like I, I you know doing the work that I do I don't necessarily do client work but you know, I hear people's stories and I hear about certain matters and I just go, wow, that kind of hit, you know, home yeah. or that kind of, you know, makes your heart sink a little bit. Definitely. So what are some things that you do to make sure that you do have like a good work-life balance and that um, even though you kind of hear these stories, you're still able to, I guess, continue and yeah. and make sure that you're not too affected by them, I guess? Yeah, I think it's so important and it's something that I've really tried to prioritise coming into this role because I'm, I'm still sort of new to the role and I think in this respect, like, a couple of things have been really helpful. I actually... Um, I have sort of a, a, another passion around mental health, which probably feeds into my passion for working with people with disability as well. Um, and um, I'm actually a yoga teacher as well. And I think, yeah, meditation and yoga is, is really important for me and, and mindfulness. Um, those kind of self-care practices are so important. And then also with the team that I work in, the civil human rights team at, at ALS, are just so wonderful and ALS as an organization they're really great at at you know ensuring that everybody sort of prioritizes self-care and and you know takes leave when they need to or engages in counseling through our employee assistance program those kind of things and even just yeah because I have you know this this sole like singular kind of role as part of the team that they're, they're doing different work and and our role does overlap but they're so wonderful at making me feel so included and part of the team I can debrief with them all the time about really tricky things and they really empathize and listen and reinforce self-care practices so we're often talking about you know what are we doing to take care of ourselves like Alice our manager is really really good at leading that conversation with the team and something that I'm really yeah really really happy and and grateful to be in a team like that that's not shy about talking about these kind of things in the workplace I think sometimes you know the legal industry has has a tricky past especially in in Australia um, and in WA in terms of being really open about mental health in in the profession and creating spaces where employees feel like they can they can say, hey, actually, that was really tough. I need to take a moment. I need to take a day. Can I debrief with you about, you know, what I'm feeling after 
this situation and, and things like that. So I think there's a lot that can be done in the legal industry to create more safe spaces for lawyers to to sort of speak out about their mental health issues and things like that. So I feel really grateful to be at ALS and, and feel so safe in that regard. Yeah, I think having a positive workplace always makes like the difference for me. I've got really good friends where I work and um, even if I'm having a hard day, I still want to get up in the morning and go to work and do my job because I'm passionate about it and I love mm-hmm. it and, and I feel welcome and I feel heard. Um, so, yeah, I think it makes the world of a difference and, and also being able to, yeah, debrief with people at your work because because we both work in a legal kind of setting, mm-hmm. often, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes you c- there are certain people, like situations that you can't help, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you can't help someone because, I don't know, maybe there's a conflict or maybe it's too complex or, you know, so sometimes you can't help them and then mm-hmm. you're kind of struggling with this, like, guilt I guess a little yeah. bit I, I think I get that a, a bit as well and and of course you know uh, the stuff I deal with up here and um, lots of Aboriginal, Aboriginal staff up here deal with is um, yeah conflict of interest so mm. working in a legal setting and not being able to help my family <laughs> you know what I mean or, yeah. or kind of saying to them I'm sorry I gotta step out this isn't you know I can't help you with this one I can't be a part of this one um, and then, you know, struggling a little bit with that guilt is, is a big thing as well. So mm. um, having a positive workplace, I think, is really important. Yeah, definitely. Having yeah that team that you can share those frustrations, because there, there are many, I think, because we are working in this imperfect legal system and which was made, you know, in a different context to what the needs are of the population, I think. And, and definitely when it comes to, to Aboriginal people and that yeah conflict with a lot of with a lot of like western traditions within the law and and things like that and feeling really frustrated that it doesn't quite it doesn't quite make sense it doesn't quite meet the needs of the community and in how it's applied sometimes and sometimes yeah being a lawyer you are an agent of the legal system so you have to sometimes put aside yes yeah not all the time but sometimes have to put aside and and recognize yeah different kind of moral feelings or obligations and things like that and and look at the law and 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 what it says and and try and help the client as much as possible but there are some serious limitations particularly with with disability as well as I'm learning it's a really really tough situation and often law cannot provide the the answers the justice the you know the the welfare really that's that's needed because yeah it's tricky and I guess that's hard as well because I like like I said we we do live in an imperfect legal system and so Mm. what the law kind of wants us to do is put like have a blanket response for all people Mm. but that's not necessarily what works for everyone you know so yeah it's interesting now have it just talking about that, I have a question actually and I'm yeah. wondering if you can answer it um so <laughs> so so I guess kind of topical for the time is this uh deaths in custody and yeah. imprisonment and everything yeah. you know high rates of um of in- incarceration and I I'm someone who uh, you know I don't like the prison system I don't agree with it I guess our prison system is fallible I think is what I'm trying to say like there's yeah. there's issues with the prison system and I don't think that it works 100% of the time you know so I guess my question is you know uh, we, we kind of 
we kind of define a, a criminal as somebody who violates a set of laws that we've created over time. But lots of this can be due to mental health issues and all kinds mm. of disabilities, learning disabilities. Like I can think of a few people who, mm. are, you know, my family members who are in and out of prison because they've got FASD or they've got, but, you know, yeah. um, learning disabilities, I guess, yeah. as well. So, so what, like what, what, how can the Royal Commission, if, if in, in any way, <laughs> maybe kind of help address this issue? Because we see, we do see this a lot, especially up here, mm. people going in and out of prison because yeah. they're struggling, you know, to, to kind of comprehend the prison system or maybe they're struggling to, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. But people are going in and out of the system due to all kinds of um, mental health and, and um, learning learning disabilities, I guess. And, and um, we're not, the prison system doesn't cater for this. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So... I mean, I feel, well, first of all, I think I should clarify as well that I, I'm independent from the Royal Commission as well. So I'm an independent, part of an independent legal service. So I can't speak on behalf of the Royal Commission, but what I hope at least that it will do, it is, you know, one of the key areas that it is focusing on is the interaction of people with disability with the criminal justice system, you know, with that understanding of this phenomena that happens um, of the criminalization of having a disability. So because, you know, you have a disability, you're more likely to be in custody, you're more likely to come into um, experiences with police and, and things like that. So it is a really, really important issue and they are aware of it and it is, you know, one of their key focuses that they're looking into. And so what I could hope would happen is that they're hearing voices of people that have experienced these kinds of mistreatment through police not understanding, you know, when situations, for example, someone um, might call and they need mental health assistance and it's the police that come to deal with them and, you know, instances of escalation rather than de-escalation in, in how police interact with people with disability I think is a key issue and having more training and things like that and then yeah 100% in prisons you know better better medical assistance and and really meeting the needs of prisoners actually at the at the ALS in the civil unit we do a lot of we do do a lot of prisoner rights and and a lot of assistance with prisoners that need medical treatment you know which is their right um, under the prisons act so it, it is a really important issue and I think I hope that the the commission will hear a lot of stories of people that have experienced these interactions with justice and they themselves will see the issues and and I, I believe the people going through it have good ideas about what needs to change you know and so important to hear those ideas of solutions from the people that have actually experienced it as well and so the commission will hear those stories and hear you know that important experience and that important insight as well from the people on the ground that have experienced it and then make those recommendations to government about how systems need to change and it's it's you know it's really not a perfect system as we see with the royal deaths into royal commission into deaths in custody that was 30 years ago there's still a lot of recommendations that are to be implemented but it's so important having that that process going through and 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 really having that those recommendations be made that can be used in advocacy 
in 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 policy work um in yeah that's kind of strategic policy change it's really important and whilst it's not a perfect system it, it it's the system that we have and it's important to to use it to really highlight the voices i think of people that have experienced these kinds of mistreatment so yes yeah, complicated question and and um i guess you know what's the right answer i guess at yeah. this point you, you don't know and and it could be this thing, it could be that thing, it could be so many different things, kind of, yeah, it's just something that I'm passionate about because my latest article in the newspaper is about imprisonment and why mm. I believe prisons fail because yeah. I believe that they're not, I think that, you know, first response, number one, shouldn't be the police because yeah. um, our Aboriginal people in the Kimberley and all over Australia already kind of struggle with this mistrust with with um, the police and and look at the end of the day the police do do fabulous job and 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 whatever but I think I think that there needs to be some kind of initial first response that caters to disability um, people struggling with mental health also people struggling with uh, drug and alcohol issues as well because in in instances you know there can be issues with escalation as you said and and um, and I can you know I can. <laughs> my family members that go in and out of prison they're, they're for sure struggling with wow. all kinds of intergenerational trauma mental health drug and alcohol related issues so so it's definitely something that you know i'm passionate about and and wow. something that i see kind of yeah every day i guess and yeah, yeah I, I was just interested in what what that'd mean for you know because you see this reoffending and recidivism like rates are so high once you go into prison people are juvenile offenders they go in and out of prison from a young age but what's being done in the meantime to make sure that Mm. these kind of we're kind of stopping that cycle do you know what I mean yeah yeah so something that I'm passionate about and I guess I was just interested in in how how that might make a difference I guess yeah yeah I think yeah it's it's so awesome to hear that passion hey and I'm really keen to um to read your article because I think it's it's such an important issue yeah that that more needs to be done to stop this cycle that that's happening and and the high rates of incarceration and and just yeah it, it's not the response that is needed prisons aren't really built to to be that that service provider really for that person in need but it's it's the system that we have and yeah it's a real yeah I think many more resources need to be put to actual you know more healing services and 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 a more rehabilitative approach really that allows people to to really focus on on what their needs are and and to meet those needs and and I don't think prisons can really meet the needs for so many of the prisoners that are there. Yeah and the thing I kind of touch a little bit on in the article is how can we expect to rehabilitate and prevent reoffending when we're taking away people's access to their support networks and their country and their culture and and um yeah you know I, when I'm struggling with depression and anxiety and whatever I go home to my dad to my community yeah. and yeah. that's the thing that makes me feel better and so what happens when you know people are struggling with all kinds of um mental health stuff and they don't have access to that in prison anyway that's a whole extra <laughs> um topic yeah. but but yeah just something that I guess um yeah is an issue up here and and i'm glad to hear that um the work that you're doing in the royal commission that the definition of disability is really broad because um if you're feeling like something is preventing you from being an active member in your community and in in your society Mm. then perhaps it's a disability you know so yeah yeah. and yeah like i said i guess that's something that 
you know, I've had at one point in my life struggled with being an active member in my community. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. awesome work. Just, I just wanted to ask you, do what kind of, so you've been on a journey, you're, you're doing what you're doing now. What kind of advice would you give to people maybe wanting to, you know, do what you do or are passionate yeah. about, you know, social justice and mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I guess my advice would be, to really go after every opportunity to like to believe well yeah to to have I guess yeah so my advice would be to really go after every opportunity to to put yourself out there to reach out to people see someone um who is doing what you want to do and reach out to them and say hey can we have a coffee can we chat just really yeah put yourself out there believe in yourself and and go after every opportunity I would say and then make sure that you prioritize your self-care on on the way yeah such an important piece of advice I think you know I've never been I'm a really inquisitive person so I've never felt like shame about reaching out and asking someone I'm like oh yeah well that person does something that I want to do so I can go and ask them but for lots of people it is an obstacle Mm. um so Mm -hmm. it's you know something that that people do need to maybe take a little bit of courage and uh, to be able to to do that so yeah yeah, and taking every opportunity um, when it comes I think is really important as well you know the reason I get to do the radio show is because I took an opportunity that was kind of given to me and I went yep I'll run with that so and here I am yeah it's so cool but yeah take take taking opportunities is very important and um yeah definitely yeah I think as well like sometimes that that lack of um, confidence and, and self-belief can really yeah, prevent you from, as you said, reaching out and um, seeing somebody and thinking, oh, I could actually do that. And and really just believing that you can, that first step and um, and trying to reach out. And, and that it, yeah, it's hard sort of saying that and acknowledging that there's, there's so many obstacles that people face and, and really, yeah, respecting that people are at different stages and, and have different obstacles. But there is there is help out there there's so many people that will want to yeah help you and and um and really yeah make sure that that you can have the same sort of opportunities and things like that one um one thing my mum used to always tell me when I was a kid uh feel the fear and do it anyway which I Mm, think probably sounds like yeah so you're feeling anxious and you're feeling scared about it acknowledge that feeling of anxiety but don't let it stop you and that's something that I live by now Mm, I think awesome yeah yeah that's such a great mantra I might take that as well yeah 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 no it's really good and yeah that's something that I kind of you know push when I'm telling people to come on the radio show feel the fear and do it anyway (laughs) (laughs) no that's shame (laughs) but yeah it's been really awesome having you on the show and um it'll be really cool to see how this goes and and how long like how long will this run for so it's um at the moment it's running until april next year so there's still a bit of time for people to make submissions um, and there, there's different ways to tell your story as well. So you can do a voluntary submission, as I was saying before, either, you know, in many different ways for that. But the second way is also to to book in a private session with a commissioner. So that's a really cool avenue as well that you can sort of have this one-on-one time with one of the commissioners um, to talk about what you've been through and and your story and 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 through that process you can 
hand over any documents and, and things like that. So I think that's a really great way. But with COVID, of course, it, it's going to be really difficult for that to be in person. So it's most private sessions are running over video or over phone and things like that. Yeah, and there's also public hearings that are happening as well. And there's one, I think it's, yeah, it's supposed to be later on in this year, I think in September now, is looking specifically into First Nations people in institutions in out-of-home care. So that will be a really um, important uh, hearing and, and there's going to be a lot, hopefully, that's going to be raised and, and get a lot of awareness and attention about issues facing um, Aboriginal communities and and that are in in need of of care and and what they're experiencing in out of home care. Okay, cool. So yeah, thank you for joining us. Look, one last thing. Mm-hmm. Do you have a song you would like to request for the show? Oh, um, okay. I'm gonna have to think about this. I, gosh, what would be a song that I would choose? Favorite song at the moment. Okay, so I think my favorite song at the moment is probably a song by Big Wild. I think maybe there he is an American singer, songwriter, producer, artist, person, and he has a song called Sixes to Nines. And it's just really uplifting. It's really nice. Um, and, yeah, it, it's a nice song. Cool. All right. I'll chuck that on. Awesome. That sounds really good. Um, yeah, so thank you for joining us today. And um, like I said, we look forward to seeing how this goes. And cool. Well, we look forward to seeing you back here. Thanks. Cool. All right. Thank you. That was Bonnie from ALS. Thanks heaps for joining us this fortnight. And uh, we'll catch you next time.
And you're home. 